Well, welcome back for another episode in our series of Jews and Christians Learning to Relate. Today, we're going to hear from another amazing pioneer, someone with a global ministry and just has produced such extraordinary steps in Jewish-Christian relations in his ministry. So please stick with me and we'll be right back. Welcome to the Israel Answers series, connecting Israel, the Bible, and you. Join Susan Michael as she explores timely issues and current events from a scriptural perspective to equip the Christian world with a balanced and biblical response. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes, which will ignite your faith and bring the Bible to life in your everyday world. Now, let's join Susan with your Israel Answers. So with us today is Bishop Robert Stearns, a longtime friend of the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem and of all things Israel. And because of his uh, unique calling and gifting, he has been very involved in Jewish-Christian relations and working with the Jewish community in New York and in Israel and around the world. And so uh, he is the founder and executive director of Eagle's Wings, a global ministry. He's a powerful speaker and author of seven books. Uh, he started the National Day of Prayer for the Peace of Jerusalem, or I should say International Day of Prayer for the Peace of Jerusalem. And he serves as president of the Jewish Christian Nexus in LA. He does so much. He's going to tell us about uh, all these different involvements. But I want to give a very warm welcome to Bishop Robert Stearns. Susan, it's so good to see you again. Uh, we've been friends for many years. I have the greatest respect for uh, the International Christian Embassy and um, the part they've played in my story. And um, and you are indeed uh, a pioneer of pioneers. So it's an honor to speak with you today. Well, we are like family, Robert. You know, we, we have this joke about the ICEJ, but once you're in it, you can never really <laughs> right. uh, get out of it. So uh, we consider you uh, a part of the family. And uh, with that, I, wanna, I want you to share with our audience um, how you got involved in this work to begin with. And I don't know if there was anything in your upbringing or your background or mm -hmm. how it came about. So please share with us. Well, definitely nothing in my upbringing. In fact, a very interesting part of the story is that my grandfather was probably the greatest anti-Semite I've ever met. Um, he hated the Jewish people, um, and we could never get through a single family gathering without him cursing out the Jews. Uh, every Everything he read in the newspaper, everything he saw on television, um, it was just horrible. And after his death, I found um, copies that he had of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, um, that he had gotten from Henry Ford, who had published them in America, uh, and other really horrible anti-Semitic literature. So that was my background. Um, uh, you know, so I, I certainly, sometimes people wrongfully assume that I'm Jewish because my last name sounds Jewish and, and they, uh, they make that assumption. But uh, I was raised, my extended family was all Catholic. So that grandfather was a uh, Catholic, although a lapsed Catholic, not really a practicing Catholic. <clears throat> and then my immediate um, nu nuclear family 
we grew up within a kind of a traditional Bible-believing evangelical um, church, but we had no connection to Israel, no interest in Israel. I even think that my parents had some of the latent anti-Semitism that they'd picked up from their parents. So it was definitely not a part of my childhood. Um, when I went to Bible college, uh, and I went to college early, I, I graduated high school and started college at 16. And I went to the University of Valley Forge, um, just outside of Philadelphia. Um, and uh, there was a, a small uh, kind of Jewish outreach group there. And I kind of first got introduced to Jewish music. And I really loved Jewish music. And, you know, I'm, I'm a musician. Um, I've, I've, I've been, music has played a huge role in my life. So I was kind of attracted to, um, to Jewish music. Um, and that, I guess, was one of the earliest things I remember. I remember hearing the song Yerushalayim Shel Zahav all those years ago, and it kind of piqued my interest. And, but then it was really, um, uh, I came over, uh, kind of on a whim, um, to volunteer with the Christian embassy, uh, back in the days when Johann Lukoff was leading and Jan Willem Vanderhoeven, it was still the early days. And there was this young lady, Susan Michaels, who was around. She was volunteering, <laughs> doing everything. This was 30 years ago. This was the early nineties. And so I got to sing in many of the early feasts and lead worship in those early feasts. And then you all graciously have invited me back as a speaker, uh, three or four times over the years. Um, so it's been a gradual process, but it was really that first trip to Israel, um, where I volunteered with the embassy that was the, that was the aha moment, the light bulb moment where everything shifted for me. And then didn't you live in Israel and you were like on staff with us for a while? Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, it was that for, I thought I was coming over for several weeks, but I stayed for, you know, I think well over a year. Um, and I really got real involved there locally. Uh, Derek Prince was still alive and he was at Christchurch. So I would go over and lead worship for Derek when he was teaching and at some of the conferences he did and, um, just got super involved, you know, in everything. Uh, for me, Susan, that time in Jerusalem, the best way I can explain it is that as a child, I, I always felt, it always felt odd to me that like my, like, it felt like my faith began with Jesus. And I'm like, well, what about everything before Jesus? And it somehow, it was like, it didn't make sense. It was almost like there was two gods. There was the God of the Old Testament and then there was Jesus. And yet I knew there was one God and none of it was cohesive. There was not a continuity to it. And if there's one thing that I can say that just, and, and you know, people who get involved in the work that we do, Susan, I mean, I, you hear the same kind of test. It's like all of a sudden it all made sense. And you see the arc of God through sacred history that extends all the way back to his promise to his friend Abraham, right? That, um, that he would make him great and that his family would be a blessing in the nations of the earth. And you, you start to understand um, that God did not have plan A and plan B. There has been one plan of God all the way through, and we've been grafted into that plan. So, Robert, when you then came back to the United States, I mean, I, I know what it's like when you live there in Jerusalem for a year, 
For me, it was two years. Mm-hmm. You just come back different. Oh, You've totally. got uh, a completely different worldview. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many things have like you say, you've connected the dots, but you've, you're interested in so many things that you weren't even interested in before. And uh, so walk me through when you came back then now, because you didn't know a whole lot of Jewish people growing up and interacting a lot. So I, knew, I knew none. I didn't know any. How did that begin? And uh, step by step, walk us through how that developed for you. Well, I came back and and all I knew was that my calling had become clearer and that I, I had a sense of calling that I'd never had before. First of all, to worship and the presence of God. Second of all, to unifying the body of Christ. And then third, and probably most penultimately, toward um, the Jewish people and 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 right healing this rift between Judaism and, and Christianity and um, and so I went back to my senior pastor, Bishop Tommy Reed, who is one of the great world-renowned leaders. He was a peer with David Yonggi Cho in Korea, and Oral Roberts was his best friend. He was on the founding board of Oral Roberts University and many of the other luminaries of his generation. And I said, Bishop, I don't know what I, what this is, but I said, I, I, we need to host a conference to share these values. So Eagles Wings, which at that point was me and a business card, uh, we hosted our first conference in 1994 and a thousand people showed up to our very first conference. And so kind of Eagle's Wings was born. That was our East Coast conference. And next month will be the 28th anniversary of our East Coast conference that we still continue. But that was in 94. And that same year, that fall, um, I brought back my first tour to Israel. So I brought back a tour group. And I partnered with Oral Roberts University, and I brought uh, I brought Miles Monroe, I brought Billy Joe Doherty, I brought um, Bishop Mears, uh, many of the leaders of the Oral Roberts kind of you know, um, you know friends of Oral Roberts University, and uh, we brought them over and did a special tour, and um, that was really the beginning. And now we've brought you know by God's grace, many, many, many thousands of people over the years, including now we've brought almost 450 pastors from 18 different nations um, to Israel. And we just view that this is part of that Micah 4 prophecy, that there's going to come a time where Jerusalem is again the epicenter of the global kingdom of God, of of the of the people of God. We're ascending the hill of the Lord. So I led that first tour. Um, and then if I fast forward, Susan, for time's sake, I would say it was the early 2000s. You know, I continued to bring a tour once a year. I continued to sing at the feasts. You know, I did that every year. But then in the early 2000s, there was a young man by the name of David Nekrutman, who was a minor um, administrator at the, uh, con- con- at the consulate in New York City. And his boss's boss's boss had told him, hey, figure out who these evangelicals are. You know, we're hearing about them in the news because this was when finally all the work that you've done, Susan, all these years was beginning to bear fruit. And someone told them to reach out to me. And so they reached out to me and we hosted the embassy. uh, The consulate invited us to host a day of prayer at the New York consulate, which we'd never done in our life. And I remember carrying carrying the piano up the stairs of the consulate so we could do worship in the, in the consulate. And it was amazingly successful. And the consul general, Alon Pincus, came to us and said, you've got to do this again. 
This was in February. And I thought, okay, well, we'll do this next year. He said, no, I want you to do it in three months. So we redid it in May of that same year. And um, Pastor Jack Hayford came out. Um, uh, Tom Phillips of the Billy Graham organization came. Uh, Reinhard Bonnke, the late, great Reinhard Bonnke. We had several of these major leaders. And it was in that meeting that the concept of the day of prayer for the peace of Jerusalem was born. Uh, and from that really friendship with David Nekrutman, um, our, our watchman on the wall curriculum, the day of prayer for the peace of Jerusalem, our Israel experience program for young people, a lot of these things took shape. So I would say there were the early years that really involved the embassy laying the foundation, those early years. And then in the early 2000s, things really sped up as all of these initiatives got birthed. Well, I remember that event. I was there. Oh. And yes, I, I remember the birthing yes. of the uh, Day of Prayer for the Peace of Jerusalem very well. And the way I've always seen it is because you were in New York, you were working closely with that New York consulate. Yep. And then, of course, with the Jewish community in New York, right. which is, of course, the major Jewish community. And uh, you were really the only one located up in that Northeast Corridor that worked with them and developed really deep relations with a lot of the, the Jewish leaders there. While I was down in D.C., we were working with the Israeli embassy and doing the same thing there with the Jewish community right. in D.C. And of course, now I'm based down in South Florida, another Jewish community. <laughs> And there's a lot going on uh, down here as well. And then you're involved now very much in L.A., which is the the third, it's the second largest Jewish community. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, South Florida is the third. But if you add up all the areas down here, I think we're really the second largest Jewish community. I'll, I'll give it to you. You're the second. You could. <laughs> Those are the three main ones. Well, yeah, the and, Los uh, Angeles, the Los Angeles thing developed because, of course, Pastor Jack Hayford was a huge mentor in my life and spiritual father in my life. And he and Chuck Smith from Calvary Chapel and then a wonderful Jewish man by the name of Shimon Aram, General Shimon Aram, had started the Israel Christian Nexus, which was just kind of exactly what you said. We've all been working on the same thing in different geographies. So Pastor Jack and Shimon were working on that for many years in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, Pastor Jack now is, is quite elderly. He's in his late 80s. And he came to me several years ago and he said, Robert, you know, you're, you really understand this. This is the mantle of the Lord on your life. And he said, I don't see anyone here who, who could take it like, like you could. And so I was very honored that he kind of passed that, the reins of leadership for that. In fact, I'm leaving for LA the day after tomorrow. Uh, and I'm there three or four times a year. And there's a strong growing um, relationship there. Uh, in fact, one of our main pastors who we took on our pastor's trip was just named as the successor for a, a Bishop uh, Ulmer, Bishop Ken Ulmer, uh, one of the main churches there in Los Angeles. So, you know, uh, Susan, we've all been in this Nehemiah moment where there's the rebuilding of the wall that's broken down. And there's that beautiful phrase in Nehemiah that says, you know, we were spread out among the wall, right? And that's how it's been. Your incredible work, David Nekrutman's work, many others who've been doing, you know, phenomenal work in restoring, um, really restoring the Jewishness, the Jewishness of Christianity, which is a major thing that got lost through 
the Constantinian moment and post-Constantinian Christianity. Um, and then the, the very understandable suspicion and fear and division that has existed between the Jewish and Christian communities. And, um, so it's, it's, it's incredible to have a front row seat in history. Well, yes, and we, we really have, a number of us have really pioneered this. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, but now it's very great, it, very gratifying to see yes. the relationship and many, many others getting involved in, uh, but we also recognize we still have a way to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but so grateful for the, uh, for what we've been able to accomplish. Um, Robert, I want to ask you, uh, to share maybe some lessons that you've learned along the way and, and any stories. But first, I'm, I want to know, how has this uh, relationship impacted you personally? Like, what have you uh, gained from it? I've gained everything. Um, I, I hope this doesn't sound... Well, listen, I've, I now have a five in front of my age, so I have less filter when I speak. <laughs> I just kind of speak out things. So I, I, I would say in some ways it saved my faith um, because I found, I found the de-Judaized version of Christianity lacking and unfulfilling. And how could it be anything other than that when Jesus is Jewish? If you don't know Jesus the Jew, then I'm afraid that you know another Christ. You know, you're, you're, you know another Jesus. And so for me, um, I'm very, very serious about my faith. I, I, um, it's really everything, you know, to me. And, and I'm very serious about pursuing truth and pursuing the Lord and a spiritual journey. And I love the Christian church. I'm fiercely committed to the, to the church because God is committed to the church, but I've seen the ways that the church has suffered. And I believe Susan, it's from the principle that the apostle Paul deals with in Romans, where he says, he says to the Gentiles, be careful because if you are arrogant, you'll fail to recognize that you don't support the root, the root supports you. And when we're not connected to the roots, right? Like what, what tree is going to survive if it doesn't have a robust root system? What? It, it's impossible. And so a lot of the tragedies that we see in the church world, um, I, I think of last count, there's something like 32,000 different Christian denominations and, you know, Jesus' prayer was, Father, that they would be one, even as you and I are one, right? I mean, you look at the schisms yeah. in the Christian church, you look at the division, you look at the challenges. For me, um, I, I don't know how to describe it, but meeting Jesus, the Jewish Savior, you know, my 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 uh, the one who's introduced me to the Father, and then being being able to see the world through that lens... Um, it's just, it's just been incredible and it's brought great stability to our ministry, um, in good times and bad times. Um, we, we really live as a community, which is a very Jewish concept. You know, you think of 
Jewish extended families gathering at Shabbat. You think of the Jewish concept of kibbutz, right? Like there's there's just a, a sense of the community within Judaism that is so prevalent. And our most of our Eagles Wings team, I mean, you've met them over the years, you know, Wendy Miller and Steve Jenks and on and on. They've been, we've been together 15, 20, 25 years. Um, and my children have been raised in the midst of that, you know, larger, we all live within about a square mile of each other. We all keep Shabbat every Friday night. Every morning we gather for devotions. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem every day for 27 years. We've prayed for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, so yeah, so it has, it, it has given far more than it's cost me. Uh, I, I love, um, knowing and following, um, Jesus the Jew and making him known. And if I can just press into that theme for one more moment, Susan, you know, I think if we, if we zoom out for a second in this conversation, and if we look at the greater moment that we're in, uh, we've got such, div such toxicity in society, right? And you've got, you know, you've got the black Jesus and you've got the Latino Jesus and you've got the queer Jesus and the transgender Jesus and everyone's co-opting Jesus left and right for their particular political or ideological purposes. And I think the reason that they're so easily able to co-opt Jesus is that we have not known, we've not known the actual and original Jesus, who is Jesus the Jew in his historic Jewish context. So where we have had a white American Western Jesus, I think, you know, it's very easy to then drift into these other Jesuses. Um, but we have to meet Jesus in his context. Uh, that is who he is. And, and I tell people Jesus wasn't Jewish. He is Jewish. He's coming back Jewish. And so we have to, uh, adjust to that. I'm sorry that I went off topic from your question, but that was a little bunny trail. No, I look, it, it's the topic because so many in our day are trying to say, disregard the Old Testament. It's irrelevant. Just, just focus on Jesus. I'm like, well, you don't even know who Jesus is if you're not studying the Old Testament and to understand that the thousands of years God was preparing the earth for Jesus 100%. and the context he came in and, yeah. and everything. So it's, you're, you're preaching to the choir here, <laughs> uh, with me, but yeah, let's, we'll get back to, uh, what you're doing in terms of working with the Jewish people. Um, I know you've got a podcast and uh, we can link to that in today's show notes, but you, you do a, what a weekly format where you're on with a different rabbi each week and you discuss different things. Uh, yeah, tell us how that's going. Actually, we have two, two different podcasts. They're different and they're both fascinating. We do something called Torah Tuesdays, which is TorahTuesdays.com. It's free. As far as we know, and I could be wrong, but nobody's proven me wrong yet. As far as we know, it is the largest online Jewish Christian Bible study. Uh, we have well over a hundred live every single Tuesday, sometimes 120, 140. Um, and then downloads, I mean, literally thousands, but live in the room, uh, we have well over a hundred every single Tuesday. Uh, probably two thirds to three fourth Christian and about one fourth uh, or so Jewish tuning in from all over the world. And there's a wonderful Jewish teacher named Mark Gerson, 
who leads that. And then I kind of bring the Christian perspective in and it's this kind of wonderful back and forth. And that has just been amazing. Uh, right now we're in the book of numbers and, um, that's just been incredible. And I mean, the depth is, is so amazing. And then every Thursday evening on Facebook and YouTube, we do the Bishop and the Rabbi um, podcast. And I've, we, we just, we talk about the Parsha of the week. Um, as you well know, Susan, um, the Jewish community um, reads the scripture in unity together liturgically throughout the calendar year. And so we just take the Parsha of the week and we study that together. And we've had about upwards now of 50 of the world's leading rabbis um, from the UK, from Israel, of course, from America and other nations. And it's just, it's absolutely fast. We have reform rabbis, conservative, orthodox. Um, and it's just been, you know, really, really an incredible time together. And, and I do find that um, more and more Jewish people are becoming more trustworthy and more open to this dialogue. And that just causes me, Susan, to feel what I know you feel. And of course, the incredible work of the Christian embassy um, that we have to raise up the next generation of Christian young people who understand this. And I think the most important thing is just getting them to the land. I, I don't think there's anything that impacts like a trip to Israel. It, it, it's just, it's, it's transformational. Um, but it's so necessary because, um, anti-Semitism, anti-Israelism, the BDS movement, all of this is, is so prevalent. And, you know, we used to be worried about radical Islam and now it's really radical secularism. I mean, it's the far left that is just vitriolic and hate filled in their, in their speech, really against anybody of faith, but especially against Jews and Christians. And, um, so, yeah, but the Bishop and the Rabbi and Torah Tuesdays are two highlights of my week. I love it every week. We sit down and have those studies together. Well, it's phenomenal that you've had so many different rabbis on as a guest. And um, that really, I mean, it's just phenomenal. And But you, you said something that's really key here is that you bring the Christian perspective because sometimes there is a difference of perspective and there's it's not that we agree with everything right. that the other is saying but that we have this uh, this respect for each other in this dialogue that we can say well this is where how we see it and it's different than the way you see it and but it's done with respect and as friends and and, and uh, I don't so know why beautiful. that's so hard for Christians to understand <laughs> I have a hard you know um aren't we supposed to engage in dialogue with, uh, with others, you know, but somehow when it comes to the Jews, you know, it's, it's like, um, so we, we're very, very clear. We are Christians. We're not trying to become Jews. We're not, you know, I keep, I tell people I'm not giving up bacon, double cheeseburgers. So, you know, we're, we're not trying to put anybody <laughs> under the law. Um, that's not it. But I would say, Susan, 85, 90% of the things we agree on. We agree on the importance of scripture. We agree on core, you know, key morality. We agree on, uh, in Israel, right? The freedom of religion, the freedom of press, the democratic process, the elevation of women in society, protection for social minorities. All of these things that have grown in Western civilization out of the Judeo-Christian ethos, 
we have in total agreement together. So why not cooperate and begin on that? And then on the areas where we have disagreement, we can have spirited conversations there. We can agree to disagree agreeably uh, and, and, and move forward from there. So it is a frustration that within the Christian world, you're kind of automatically labeled as a sellout or as a compromiser. You know, if you engage in meaningful dialogue, um, particularly with the Jews or even other faith communities, but I see Jesus, isn't that Jesus with the Samaritan woman? Isn't that, I mean, that's, that's everything. Paul goes to Mars Hill. Paul goes to Mars Hill. He says, I'm here in the name of your unknown God. So, you know, there's good Bible references that, um, spur us on to meaningful dialogue with those outside the household of faith. And uh, we're not compromising when we're doing that. We're actually carrying out a biblical mandate. Well, Robert, in our last few minutes together, do you have any advice that you can share with some in our listening audience that, you know, they may just be at the very beginning of this. They would like to engage their local Jewish community or they would like to get involved, but they're really new to this. What advice would you have for them? I would have two pieces of advice. The first piece of advice I would have is be sure that as you engage with your Jewish neighbors, a local rabbi, whoever those folks are, that you you really embrace that journey as opposed to just looking to them as, oh, this is a soul that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lead them in the sinner's prayer. I'm going to win that soul for Jesus. There, you know, the Bible is so clear. The Bible says no one comes to the Father except the Spirit draws them. There is a spiritual journey that we are all on. And so for me, I have to be able to look at my Jewish friends in the eye, in the soul with integrity and say this to them, which I do. I have done this many, many times. I say, listen, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. I don't know where I would be without him. And I want everyone in the world to know Jesus like I do because of what he's done for me. And so I say, everyone includes you because you're, you're everyone and Jesus is Jesus. But I look at them and I say, but if you never view or understand or accept Jesus the way I do, that doesn't change our friendship. My friendship with you, my commitment to you, my commitment to spiritual journey with you and to dialoguing through this, none of that changes. Uh, I'm with you for who you are, not as a means to get you to accept my faith construct. So that would be piece of advice number one. Piece of advice number two goes back to one of those, it was, it, Susan, it may have been the meeting that you were in. It was one of the earliest meetings. And there was a wonderful, crusty, old, brilliant rabbi named Rabbi Gerald Meister. He was a piece of yes. work. I loved him. And, oh, he um, was wonderful. Yes. And he guided us. He guided us with great wisdom in those early years. And it was one of the early events. And I was asked to pray. And it's a room of Jews and Christians. And, oh, I've got to pray. What am I doing? And, and in the end, I, I, am I going to pray in the name of Jesus or aren't I? Is that going to be offensive? How do I navigate that? And so at the end of it, I, I closed the prayer and I said, I said, and as a Christian, I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. That was how I closed the prayer. And I went up to the rabbi after I just said, rabbi, you know, um, I'm new to this. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I trust I did not offend, but I needed to, um, I needed to be true to myself and to my faith and to my Lord in that moment. I get emotional telling this story. 
And Rabbi looked at me and he said, Robert, he said, <laughs> he said, because you prayed in the name of Jesus, now I know I can trust you <laughs> because you're going to be true to who you are. And this is an honest dialogue. We're dealing with one another honestly. And so it's, that would be my advice to people. Um, on one hand, uh, don't look at folks simply as names to check off on your salvation box. But on the other hand, be completely true to who you are and to the faith that has brought you um, into this place. Wow, what great advice and such words of wisdom from someone who's lived it out and has uh, just engaged the Jewish community at a level that very few have. So thank you, Robert, for taking your time today to share with our audience. And uh, we will link to your podcast in today's show notes and your ministry so that uh, if anyone would like to follow up and get involved in these initiatives that they are uh, able to. So Susan, if I can just, in, just for 10 seconds, I just want to say though, that really I am fruit of the work of the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem. Um, I would not be who I am. I would not have this background. What were it not for the faithful, incredible impact of the ICEJ? And I just want to encourage everyone, um, support the ICEJ financially, support them in your prayers. They are the, the granddaddy of this whole move. And, um, and so I will always be faithful and grateful. And I encourage all, everyone listening to this to be supportive of the ICEJ. I am fruit of your labor, Susan. Oh, thank you so much, Robert. And we are just so blessed by you. You're always so kind and uh, generous. <clears throat> so thank you. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. I hope you learned a lot today. What a treat to hear from Robert and to learn uh, from him. So get involved with his ministry in today's show notes. We'll see you back here next week. And until then, God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.